Well, hey, what's going on, everybody? I want to welcome you back to a new episode of the Unmasked Podcast. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Spencer, here with my father. And we have a super special guest today, Tony Green. We are super excited to have you on today, man. Oh, man, I'm so excited to be here, guys. So thrilled to be here. So I'm, I look forward to our discussion. We, we go way back with Tony. Tony has uh, been been in and out of our lives over the last number of years. What, probably seven or eight years right. now? Um, since uh, 2000, 2015. So there, there you go. Yeah. Five and, and a half uh, years. Yeah. Yeah. And you've written a book. We want to talk about the book. We want to talk about your life right now. You're so open about everything in the book that we want to, we're just going to let you tell your story. And then we've got a lot of questions about yeah. how you sort of weaved all this stuff together. Yeah. Uh, and your, your book is incredible. So we want to make sure to that people know right up front, the name of the book, uh, triumphant surrender, uh, and, and get a copy of this book. It's going to, it's a life changer, but I tell you just knowing Tony, knowing Tony is a life changer. Case in point, I called you a week ago, texted you a week ago and said, hey, Tony, uh-huh. we're, we're doing a <laughs> podcast. Any chance you'd want to come on as a guest with us? And from that point forward, you probably sent me 20 texts that night. Oh, saying, I am so excited about this. So excited. And then even today, yeah, can't wait. For One hour to left. One hour to go. <laughs> so thank you so much yeah. for coming and reconnecting with us. Well, I, I got to tell you real quick, the, uh, because I want to connect it. I love the name of this podcast. Uh, when you invited me, I had no idea, but I said, yes. Uh, yeah. And then it was unmasked. Uh, I was very successful in sales uh, yeah. in my career in corporate America. And I'm telling you what, now I know, I didn't know at the time that I was wearing a mask, wow. but wow. I made people feel like I had it all together. Yeah. And I did not have it all together on the inside. I didn't know how not all together I had it. Or right. didn't have it, but uh, I, I I wore a mask all the time. I, I yeah. finally had to in, in my in my travels the past several years. I've I've seen a lot of doctors. I've seen a lot of counselors. Uh, I've been diagnosed up one side and down the other side, and I finally <laughs> had to tell some of the doctors I'm not doing as well as you think I am. Yeah, wow. I'm yeah. going to make you think that I'm doing better than I am because I'm a salesperson. Wow, right. Uh, and 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 it's just part of my spiritual gifting and. Uh, anyway, I'm so thrilled. Uh, it, it's really taking off my mask. I, uh, you know, you know, there's a famous kind of book coming out of Hollywood called the Hollywood tell all yeah. uh, where the person that writes it, the actor that writes it, you know, tells about all the exploits right. with other people and, and exposes them. The thing about this book, triumphant surrender for me, it's, it's a heavenly tell all wow. I tell on myself. Yeah. Uh, I finally understood that if I was going to tell about the glory of God, I had to, I could not dilute the ugly before picture. I could not dilute some of the ugly decisions I'd made in my life. And I could not dilute my, my character defects and, and my blind spots. I had to fully expose those if I wanted to give God full glory. So uh, I, I can tell you what, I didn't write this book for fame. That's for sure. Because I, I'm, <laughs> I'm such a bonehead and I told on myself so much about that, you know, <laughs> but people like, man, you'd run this, get famous. I said, I'm gonna run people off. Whoa. You know, uh, but uh, but I love unmasked because, man, we need some authenticity in this yeah. world. Well, and we and need I, transparency and vulnerability. It. You know. Yeah, and I think that's our hope. That's our desire. Is you know, we both dad and I kind of found as pastors, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast. But you know, as pastors, sadly, there 
there's sort of the stigma around things that we feel like we can talk about and things that we feel like we can't talk right. about. And the reality of that is we just end up holding a lot of stuff in and we have a lot of opinions that we feel like we can't share. And, and I think you're right. You know, the beauty of who God is and the desired relationship he wants to have with us is that of authenticity. Absolutely. Is, is, is the, the vulnerable places, the tough stuff that, that we often try and hide is really the things that, that help us thrive. And, and God uses those things. God says, our, his strength is most apparent in our weakness. And I think your book is an incredible representation and really just a, a real life story of what that looks like. Absolutely. Why do you, why do you think we Thank do that, so Tony? Much. Why do you think that we are so bent as uh, both as people and especially as people of faith who've tasted uh, forgiveness and grace right. and all that kind of stuff? Why do you think we do that so, so easily? Oh gosh. I, you know, this, this whole, I wrote this two years ago and I didn't publish it until about two months ago, mm. you know? So there was a gap there and it was because I was scared to death to publish the full blown true yeah. story wow. and, and just expose everything. And, uh, finally, man, God told me last year, it's time to do it. And I signed the deal with the publisher in June and we had it out six and a half months later, but, uh, really just in the last year and a half has this whole codependency thing, yeah. uh, can't come to me that, that we live for the approval of other people. Wow. Yeah. And we live a comparison mindset. Uh, you know, the, the, the old phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, and I'm in recovery uh, from addiction. And, and in recovery, there's a, there's a saying that I compare my insides to other people's outsides. Hmm. So I, I may see somebody who really seems like they have it together on the outsides. And I know how dirty and how, how, how flawed I am on the inside. Wow. And, and I can't feel good about myself because I'm comparing my insides to that person's outsides. Mm. And, and that heck that person, they got their own flaws going on. Right. Uh, and so what I had to finally, I mean, a huge part of my triumph in publishing this book, a huge part of it is that I compare myself to nobody anymore. Wow. Uh, and, and, and I don't get my approval or my value from any other human being. Uh, I tell people I will wrestle with God over my two children, Chris and Carly, uh, and I'll wrestle with him over that because I will get some value out of being a great dad to those two. Mm, wow. When it comes to the other three, uh, the other 7.6 billion people across the globe, there can't be another guy buddy. There can't be another female in my life. There can't be another yeah. famous sibling in my life that that I find value out of. Yeah, uh, and, and and that's really that's I, I think if you interviewed the church and went through the pews and interviewed the church, I still think that people are comparing themselves to others too much That's and it. finding their value and the approval of others more uh, than we need to not do that at all. Well, well sadly, if we're going to be free. Yeah. And sadly, I feel like that's not even just a secular culture problem. That's also a Christian culture problem. Mm. We've created that within the church and, and it's not a part of God at all, but we, We've created a, a culture within the church that says we have to live by a certain standard to to fit in. And I think the person of Jesus was so good at saying, no, you belong first. And then as you get close to me, as we walk life together, then you start to to behave and act mm. the way I've called you to act. And but we sadly, I think even inside the church, like you just said, we have a, a, a very uh negative uh reality of of a comparison culture 
Yep, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, Spencer, the uh, seventh chapter in the book is on identity in Christ. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and in my past, up until the last year and a half, in my past, I could have preached a, a, a sermon on identity in Christ. Wow. And I could have just lit it up in there and I right. could have stirred people up in there. But I was I would be preaching it conceptually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I am now is is I could preach it experientially. Come on. Yeah. Now, now I am living my identity in Christ. It's not just me talking it in theory. Uh, I've gone through all the pain. I've I've had to stare in the mirror and go, you know, live what live what you say, live right. what you preach here. Yeah. And uh, and now, man, I, I tell you what, I feel a I feel a sense of freedom that I've never had before. I feel a sense of protection that I've never had before. Uh, and and I truly know that my years and I'm 61. I truly know that my best years are in front of me. Wow. Uh, and there's no doubt about that. Wh- whether I get days, weeks, months, or years, uh, the best is in front of me. You, I, I, I want to give you ample time to tell your story because you okay. keep making reference to it. But you make a point in the book, and and I, um, the the difference between got it and get it. Um, uh huh. Uh, explain that a little bit because you just made reference to it. Yep. I, uh, the first time I ever heard this was in a sermon in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, Pastor Fred Luter Jr. Uh, is a pastor of Franklin Avenue Baptist Church down in the eighth ward of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was my first Bible teacher. I didn't become mm-hmm. a, a, I didn't become a believer until I was 40 years old. And I was uh, living in New Orleans at the time and going to his church, 7,000 members. I was the only white person in the church. <laughs> wow. I'm telling you what, That's man. That's you want to go it, to church. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It did not build to a crescendo. It began with a crescendo. <laughs> uh, and I, so I had a good friend who's a good friend, a black pastor. And he told me one time, man, you couldn't preach the, the fuzz off a peach. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, right. and, and ahead, so I interrupted you. So, so uh, you know, it was, I grew up in a family. I grew up with a lot of dysfunction in my mm. childhood and it affected, I'm the youngest of five kids. It affected all five of us. We all spun out in different directions uh, because of the there was neglect in the in the in the childhood childhood. Uh, there was yeah. abuse in the childhood and we all spun out in different directions. The one that I spun out in, we just talked about was a performance mentality. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had this wound that that I was unloved and rejected. I was the last child. I was the lost child. And that was my wound. And so. To me, my whole life became about if I could perform well, people would like me. Uh, and whether that was in whether that was in you know playing on the football team and being the quarterback, whether that was being the gentleman in the fraternity so that I would get the prettiest prettiest ladies, whether that was in sales in corporate America where I wanted to be the best of the best of the best because mm. if I could be the best, they would they would love me, right? And so everything about what I did was even when I became a believer, those first 13 years, I was a performance driven believer. Uh, I, I memorized more scripture than anybody I knew. Uh, I could spout it faster than anybody I knew. Wow. Uh, and, and it was just, I, I had, it was a got to mentality. Like I've got to try harder. I've got to go to church. I've got to be more obedient. I've got to um, memorize more scripture. I've got to tell everybody else how to live for God, even though behind the scenes, I wasn't living for God. Hmm. And, and my, my brain, I had a got to brain is what I call it in the book, because yeah. my brain was this, uh, an obligatory man. I I'm obligated because I'm saved and I'm a Christian and people are going to be looking at me. I'm obligated that I've, 
I've got to do this and I've got to try harder and all of that. And, oh man, I don't know exactly when it happened. You know, I've gone through a lot the past six, seven years, but, but at some point in time, my got to brain turned into a get to heart. Mm. And, and, and that was, I get to tell my story, even the ugliest part of it. Yeah. I get to love my enemies. Um, I get to tithe, uh, my, my best. I get to wake up in the morning and just be grateful that God woke me up. There there were a lot of mornings in my past where I wasn't grateful. God woke me up, but, but now I get to, uh, I get to witness to other people. Um, I get to write a book and just expose everything. And you know, the, the great thing about it y'all is I'm not, I don't, I don't have any secrets. Wow. So it's, it's not like, it's <laughs> not like there's anybody in the world, you know, the people that know the darkest Tony going, nobody in the world can call me up and go, yeah, but I'm going to tell them about this. Now right. it's already talked about everything's wow. talked about and the Liberty of that. So, um, I, I, I get to expose myself for mm. the glory of God. Mm. Uh, and, and when we, when, and some people say that the difference, um, or, or the longest distance is the 12 inches between your brain and your heart. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and Ezekiel 36, 26 talks about how God is going to give us, he's going to replace that heart of stone with a mm. soft heart yeah. uh, and a clean heart. Uh, and that's really where the new came in for me. Surrender happens in the heart surrender. Yeah. There's yeah. no way surrender happens in the head. Surrender 100% happens in the heart. Wow. Take take a minute, if you would, or however long you want, and just, you, we, you keep making reference to your life story. Just give us give us the high, um, which um, okay. corporate America, yep. more than 99.6% of the world, you know that. Give us the high, give us the low, and give us the high again. Okay, you got it. Uh, I, I, I tell people that I... Um, I started in humble beginnings, small town, Arkansas, dysfunctional kind of family. Uh, I, I rose to worldly success. I, I out earned for about 12 or 15 years. I, I did my taxes yesterday. So I pulled up my social security thing and I've got this huge bell curve on earning, but um, because <laughs> I, I, I don't make much now, but um, at, at the peak of my career, I had about 15 years there where I earned more than 99.6% of the world's population mm. Wow, uh, consistently. Uh, and you were a one percenter. Was, I, I was, I, I was, I was a half percenter. It was, wow. uh, it was crazy. And, uh, I didn't save a penny of it, you wow. know, absolutely blew all of it. Um, so anyway, I'm, I was going to about to head down a different path there, but I made it, I made worldly riches, yeah. you know, that, that, that most people just wish they had, mm. uh, man, I was in corporate America. I was vice president with Coca-Cola for over 10 years. Um, I went to final fours. I went to super bowls. Uh, I went to Kentucky uh, derbies. I went to mm-hmm. American Idol finales. I, I was the number two limousine customer in the city of Cincinnati, uh, only to, only to a um, casino. Hmm. Uh, and that's, I, I lived the, I lived the life of a rock star. Wow. And I'm telling you what guys I've slept on inner city sidewalks too. Yeah. You know, I've lived, I've lived classified as homeless. I've slept in my car on five degree nights. Uh, and so, so I fell off this high horse. And the thing about it is even though I became a believer when I was vice, vice president in corporate America, still, I wasn't given, there was no way that I was anywhere near giving God, uh, everything. Yeah. Uh, there was, a, I mean, the, the cars were just too fast and, and, and the parties were too big and too often. 
and the money, the bonus checks were too amazing, you know, and, and, and I was definitely the guy that had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I was leaning more towards the world, uh, mm-hmm. because there were, there wasn't fruit being born. That's for sure. Hmm. And, uh, I've got a sister in full-time ministry and she says, either you will bend a knee to God or he will break them yeah. with me guys with me. He broke them. Wow. Uh, he definitely broke them. And I came falling off my high horse and hallelujah that I did. You know, hmm. when, when, when people hear the story, they're just sitting there going, man, Tony is out of his mind, but what I've gained is kingdom riches, Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and that is the ultimate rich. You know, sometimes I tell people that if we were having a cup of coffee, I'd slap myself on my right thigh and go, I cannot believe what's happened in my life. And then I'd slap myself on my left thigh and go, I cannot believe what's happened in my life mm. because from a worldly standpoint, I've lost everything, mm. but from a kingdom standpoint, oh, right. there's, right. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, yeah. I am past all the regret. I'm past all the shame. Uh, I used to let the devil get in my head and just stomp on my windpipe, uh, trying to kill me over shame. Mm, mm, uh, right. And I don't do it anymore. You yeah. know, that, that, that season is over uh, right now. It is about freedom and it is about sparking hope in the hopeless. There's too many people hurting out there. Right. And, uh, and they need help. You, you say in the book that you were actually in recovery while you were writing the book. And so you were, I mean, pen and paper, you, you didn't have a laptop. You were sitting there just writing it out like an old notebook paper. At, at what point, <laughs> when in your life did addiction start? Yeah, if you, you know, I um, I experimented a little bit, and and my whole story is alcohol. Um, okay. I, I don't have much for um, street drugs or pills and things like that. Okay. Um, and when I say much, like hardly nothing. But mine is alcohol. I experimented a little bit in high school, then went into college and joined the fraternity. Right. Uh, that's when the drinking really picked up. But I had seasons. I, I drank for 29 straight years, uh, but I had seasons where that was heavier than others. Yeah. Uh, but in um, in the American Medical Association would say that th- that was 29 years of alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where you party two or three times a week. You definitely have hangovers. You have fights with people, you know, like, like with a spouse or a girlfriend or whatever. You have relationship yeah. issues. But you're not losing jobs and getting arrested and, you know, blacking out and, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden in corporate America, when about 2005 or 2006, I started missing some really high level promotions. And I missed three promotions in about a year and a half. Uh, and remember, my wound was if the, if I do well, they'll love me. And yeah. all of a sudden, it didn't matter how well I did anymore. They yeah. weren't loving me anymore. And I wasn't getting the promotions. And I remember that first time I came down that staircase in Milford, Ohio, in our house. And instead of opening that right door and grabbing the Diet Coke, I opened that left door and grabbed that bottle of vodka out of the freezer. And I chugged about six ounces that morning. And I'm telling y'all, hell cackled with glee. Yeah. Uh, Because because that was, I I went on a two-year voyage across an ocean of alcohol. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for, for two years, I drank about 30 ounces of vodka or 30 ounces of scotch a day. Uh, and, and I was highly functional, you know, my, 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 um, my, my levels were just so high that, that I could, my tolerance levels were so high that I I, I could do my job. I could manage my people, but if I was awake, I was consuming alcohol. Uh, and then my dad died in 2007 and I had to fly to that funeral, uh, without drinking. And that was when everything kind of 
things started to change at that time. Uh, but I've still, I've been through a whole lot of recovery. Uh, it is, it has not been an easy, um, it's not been an easy path for me. Uh, but, but you know, the, the thing, the turn, the tipping point, I call it the tipping point in the book, the tipping point to me living triumphantly in Christ was when I bought into my identity in Christ. Yeah. Mm. And when all of a sudden I bought into the fact that when I, we think of our creator God in heaven, he looks at me as his prized possession. He looks at me as his masterpiece. Mm. He looks at me as significant to the kingdom calling. He looks at me as appointed to bear fruit for his kingdom, you know? And then when I started living in my identity in Christ and no longer um, accepting what other people's opinion was of me, it changed everything. It changed yeah. everything. And that was the tipping point to me living triumphantly in Christ. The turning point is unleashing the Holy Spirit yeah. to start transforming you from the inside out. That's that's when it just, uh, it's like hitting the turbo button in the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about being in and out of multiple recoveries in, uh-huh. in different cities even. Um, so basically what you're saying is, well, I, I guess let me ask you this. At what point in the the, I guess the last recovery facility or, or or organization that you went through, at what point did stuff change? Is it this whole identity in Christ piece? It is. Okay. It is, and there, there uh, gosh, I laid down, I laid down on a, um, in the last two and a half years, I laid down on a sidewalk, uh, and slept, and coming up off that sidewalk. I don't know how I woke up. I was still alive. It was in a very dangerous part of uh, Cincinnati and over the Rhine, a, a very dangerous part of over the Rhine. Uh, and that everything changed between God and I that day. So, right. Something was different. Something was, it was almost like, Tony, it's time to grow up. Wow. You know, there, there's a couple of times in scripture where it says, wake up a sleeper from your slumber. Yeah. And, and when I came up off that sidewalk, something changed. And Spencer, I knew at that point that if I didn't change the way I thought about myself, I, my core belief about myself and, and I write about core beliefs in the book. Yeah. Uh, I I quote psychology today, one of their articles, but my deepest core belief about myself was that I was worthless, Mm -hmm. that, that nobody cared about me, uh, that, um, that I had ruined everything uh, and that nobody would ever trust me again. And, and that I had blew my kingdom calling. That was my core belief about myself. And I finally coming up off that sidewalk, I finally went, if I don't change the way I think about myself, I'm going to die in this wow. addiction. Yeah. And I'm going to die at the bottom of the bottle and I'm going to die a loser. Uh, and it, so right off the bat, man, the first thing I did is I got somebody to help me with self-esteem, mm. but then it's not even self-esteem because I right. can stand in front of a mirror and, and say I'm significant and all of that, but I needed God esteem. That's yeah. it. I yeah. needed God esteem. And so it wasn't self-love that I needed. It was self-compassion. I needed to take it easy on myself and stop beating up on myself. Uh, and when I started pursuing God esteem, it was all over at that point in time, uh, because that's what identity in Christ is about. That's what you know, if God is who he says he is, then I'm who he says I am, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Isn't it interesting, one, that you got attacked um, in the very place you were most vulnerable in, in your, your pursuit of, 
just you you're abandoned and unloved and and then as you grow up you begin to pursue i i will if i can outperform i can finally feel the love i've missed and Absolutely. so this whole driven by performance and then when again when you when the slide comes it goes after that identity again um i love the description of god esteem versus self-esteem self-esteem yeah. sounds so good i mean it almost feels good you got to have self-esteem got to build yourself up you got to look in the mirror and say i i love you i love me you know all that kind of stuff that we tell people to do today but it's really that stuff only it, it just inflates our ego it doesn't really do anything to our spirit right and it's when we finally realize what we have what God has done for us, both on the cross and then even after the cross and the way he, um, you know, the calling he puts on your life and the way he's, even in the difficult stuff, how much he's using you. I just, I love the picture of God esteem versus self-esteem. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would, that, that was a new revelation to me and, yeah. and it's yeah. huge. If I can read uh, just a little excerpt from chapter four. Thank you. Uh, Cause I think it, it hits here really well. And it's something I highlighted and it caught my attention because you reference one of my favorite worship songs ever. One of my favorite songs ever uh -huh. from John Mark McMillan. This is what you write. You said, I am so relieved. I am so grateful. I am regularly overwhelmed at the greatness of God's love for such a broken, flawed person as me. I often cry when I hear John Mark McMillan's How He Loves um quickly those lyrics are he is jealous for me as loves like a hurricane i am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy when all of a sudden i am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory i realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me oh how he loves us and then you and then you say this and then i, I just want to hear your thoughts on this but this is what you say right after those lyrics the lyrics go on to paint a picture of God's extravagant love for all of us. If his grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. No more waiting, Tony. <laughs> no more lazy backstrokes. Let God's love overwhelm you and swallow you up. What does that love mean to you? Oh, man. I, if you could see the hairs on my arms standing straight up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I need to put a coat on. The chills are so bad. It is, um, I, I am overwhelmed guys, at 61 years old mm. and, and trust me, my maturity level is not 61. <laughs> um, but I'm amazed at 61 that God would start kicking doors open and trust me to run through them for him. Wow. Uh, and, and his love is so vast. I mean, there are so many. He knows the day he's got chosen for me, and it's not yeah. yet. I attempted suicide in 2012. It wasn't time. Wow. He wasn't going to let it happen. Uh, and, and the fact that after all the bonehead stuff I did, I tell you what, man, there, there was one time, and, and this is probably one of the things I'm most ashamed of, just because I'm such a stupid head uh, for doing this, but I got, I got, um, I looked for love in the wrong place, and, and, and this was, Oh, six, seven years ago. And I ended up getting scammed for $78,000. Wow. Uh, and I was in Hamburg, Germany to prove this thing, either authentic or the scam that it turned out to be. And I went into my bedroom in Hamburg, Germany, so mad at God. I've only been mad at God twice, but that was one of them. 
And I was so mad at God. And I mean, I was ready to rip the room apart like Led Zeppelin. And, uh, and, uh, he just told me to pick up my laptop and start typing. And that list in chapter one that says you're not alone, right? Long list of like 38 things. He said, just start typing. This scam is just another piece of the testimony, Tony. Mm. This scam is just another connection Mm. point. So how can God love a bonehead like me who has 38 big life issues? Yeah. And and how, how can he use that person? How can he have me publish a book when I've been arrested nine times? I've been in uh, 14 psych wards and I've been in 11 treatment programs and and uncounted emergency rooms. How can he do that? Because he loves me so much. And because people are hurting when when I say no more waiting and that's waiting in water, no more lazy backstrokes. Uh, I I have a friend and I told her this all the time. We are done playing kingdom tiddlywinks. Yeah. Yeah. It is over. There are people dying out here. There are people desperate out here and COVID it's even worse, man. The isolation has made it far worse and it right. is time to wake up from my slumber uh, and and start start you know sowing seed for the harvest and and all those 38 things that scam and and you know all those psych words and all of that that's just seed i get to sow people wow. will listen to me because right. i i'm relatable what what is it about your story that gives you a platform that maybe a lot of other people don't have Oh, gosh. Um, well, you know, uh, people have asked me tons, um, Pastor Dave, about who's your target market. Yeah. And uh, a couple of things. I, I had a very mature believer just read the book in the last couple of weeks and send me a note, send me an email, and it just blew him away. Hmm. Uh, uh, another one says he is embarrassingly behind uh, in his Christian maturity versus where he thought he was. Mm. And, and and I'm not a Bible scholar. I've never, I've never taken a class or anything, but I had one gift that I have is I have a way to explain things in very simple, to, easy to understand terms. Yeah. And so even for a mature believer, you can get a fresh word. There are over 500 right. scriptures in this book. Oh yeah. Right. You can get a fresh word. Blue uh, fr- it's crazy. It's crazy. And so that's one thing, but there's addiction in the book too. If I speak to a recovery audience, I can absolutely speak to addiction. I can speak to the 12 steps. I can speak to how they fit in. Uh, I can speak to sponsors. I can speak to the higher power. If it comes to mental health disorders, Mm -hmm. a man alive, spiritual, the the emotional wounding that I had almost killed me. I'm just telling you that the only reason it didn't kill me was God had a plan. And so if it comes to a mental health audience, uh, I can speak to that. So, so it's, it's, I, I can, I can speak to the corporate America businessman. I mean, mm. I posted the book three or four days ago on LinkedIn. People are hitting it and coming wow. back to me who hadn't talked to me in 10 years. Wow. Or I can go to a homeless event and speak to homeless people. So it's really, there's not really a target market for this. You know, it doesn't have a niche. Um, it's, and, and there's more female readers right now than there are male readers, which I just love. Well, I think what's interesting and I, and you kind of referenced this a few minutes ago, but when you allow uh, what God has done in your life through the experience that you have to be the platform you stand on to share his love and goodness and his grace and mercy in your life, that connects with more people than just to head knowledge. Right. And I, and I think sadly, 
Um, I, I love your passion about the the brokenness in the world around us and how they're, I mean, we don't have time to stand around and let more people yeah. die and not know this love of God. Right. And absolutely. And yet I feel like there are too many of us that feel like we just, the only way we can win people to Jesus is just explain who he is. But, but really if we can allow our experience and what God has done for us and through us to be the story, man, that changes everything. And I feel like that's why this book connects. I mean, it it connected so well. I connected so well with it and I'm only 29 and I haven't experienced, I haven't experienced half of what you have. And, and, uh, and yet I was, um, I don't know. It was incredibly eye opening. but I just think that's so incredible that you have gotten to a place in your life where you've allowed your story, your experience to be the platform that God uses to reach people in a powerful way. Well, thank you for that. I, I tell you, one of, my, one of my favorite scriptures is 1 Peter 3.15. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it, it tells me to set apart Christ as Lord. Now, today I'm setting apart Christ as Lord. I've been a believer for 21 years, but today I'm setting apart Christ as Lord. Uh, it, it was a struggle through, like I said, those first 13 years, I was, I was a, I was a head, I was a, mm. a um, intellectual Christian at right. best. You know, my heart didn't start breaking for homeless people until about five or six years ago. So, so it's been, it's coming seasons, but finally today I set apart crisis Lord on a consistent basis. And then the scripture goes on to, in essence, say others will become curious for the hope that I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I'm living for, man. Is that others, as I set apart crisis Lord, they're going to see something totally different in Tony. They're going to become curious for the hope that I have. And then I'm going to be able to explain it to them. And I do that with gentleness and respect. Yeah. Okay. So real quick, speak to that hope, because we we just talked about hope on, on this podcast a few weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago. And you, you, I highlighted this in, I don't know what chapter this is. Uh, you say I think six. Yep. You're right. Six. Yeah. Yeah. You say Jesus Christ, my only hope here. It's starting on to earth. come together. That's it. <laughs> Um, let me read this too, just to give it an intro, but you say early in my faith walk, I did not see any need for me to have added hope for this life. To me, Jesus was all about eternal salvation. Mm. Any conversation in those days about living a victorious life or, or freedom from bondage did not resonate with me. So, so maybe talk a little bit about why you felt that was, and then this hope that you have now that people are curious about. Yeah, but it's, uh, um, yeah, growing up in, in small town, Arkansas, you know, I, I listened to a whole lot of Southern Baptist fire and brimstone, Yeah, long altar calls, long altar calls. Yeah. You know, we didn't get to play on our parents' uh, smartphones, uh, back, <laughs> back in the sixties, you know, we were standing up during the altar calls. That's all there was to it, man. I, my legs would be getting crazy, but, um, you know, everything was about, you got to have Jesus or you're going to hell, Wow, right? you know? And to me, even when my, my, my sister wrote a book called breaking free, you know, and, and it, it wasn't, she didn't write a book that said, welcome to heaven. Right. She wrote a book called breaking free, which speaks to life here on earth. But, uh, it didn't hit me until, you know, these past six or seven years that, that Jesus was way, was about way more than just getting into heaven. Yeah. Uh, and that really, 
we are given the fruit of the spirit. I would read through the nine attributes of the fruit of the spirit and go, I want those. Right. But then I'd be hanging out in the 14 attributes of the lust of the flesh a couple of mm. verses earlier, right. you know, and, and finally what Jesus gives us, you know, in, in my mind and man, I love the bookends of the Christian life written by Bob Bevington and, and Jerry Bridges big time. I love that yeah. book. Jesus gives us two things. He reconciles us with the father yeah. and our justification. I talk about my tattoos, my right shoulders, my justified. Yeah. We are justified because of Jesus' blood. We have the righteousness mm-hmm. of Christ and the father sees us in our justification as holy, blameless, and without a single fault. Yeah. But then he gives us access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And from the moment I'm saved until the moment I'm glorified and cross over to heaven, the rest of my life is about the sanctification path. Yeah. The rest of my life is about the journey of becoming more and more like Christ. And I can't do that on my own. Yeah. I have to do that through the Holy Spirit's transformation. Yeah. And, and bringing the word, the, the, the last time I was in Exodus, man, I was desperate to be different. I was desperate to be different. And I walked back in there for, for my second time. And this was about three years ago. And that's, that's where I wrote most of the book. And this is a recovery program. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, but it's a, it's a discipleship program for yeah. men who struggle with addiction. Exactly. And, exactly. and yeah, better. better and sure. so, um, anyway, I was just like, Holy spirit, you got to do something. Holy spirit, you got to do something. And the Holy spirit pretty much said, open up the Bible, mm-hmm. read the word and let me bring it alive for you. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's how the transformation happened. You know, um, you talk, uh, I, I, my mind tends to recognize words that are repeated a number of times and you start picking up trends. You in the book, you use the word relief a lot. What oh, does gosh. relief mean to you? Oh gosh, I'm so relieved. Let me tell you where it roots from mm-hmm. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend that used to tell me, Tony, God does not revoke a calling. God does not revoke yeah. a calling because she knew that I was later in life. She knew that I had blown a lot of years. She knew that I was coming out of corporate America and that I was going to have a rough time adjusting. But she, she tried to encourage me that God does not revoke a calling. He, he is patient. He has waited. Your spiritual gifting is still yeah. there. And finally, I found it in Romans eleven twenty nine. It says, God does not revoke the spiritual gifts he gives us. Mm-hmm. And he does not revoke the kingdom calling. Wow. And that, there were a lot of times where I stood in, in gratitude circles and people would say, I'm grateful that God woke me up this morning. And guys, I wasn't necessarily grateful that God woke me up those mornings. And then that was in different seasons, you know, and a lot of stuff going on. But but I'm through all that now. And today I'm just relieved mm. that God did not revoke my kingdom calling. Wow. That more than anything else. I mean, I still got the gifting. I know that. But 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 I'm so relieved when when. You're asked when you're in recovery, you're asked to give a feeling word really often. And mine would just be, I'm just relieved. Wow. Oh my gosh, I'm just relieved. And it's because I'm relieved that he he patiently wo- waited for me mm. uh, to show up for my kingdom calling. You know? Um, when you talk about, you know, the gratitude circles and those sort of things, I, I met you initially when you were in the midst of Exodus the first time. Uh-huh. You bet. Um, in the midst of that, I, you know, I didn't know, know you, you just a guy who I met you at Exodus when 
our church came down, hung out with yep. you, you guys one Absolutely. night, and then you guys came to our church, and every once in a while, you all would come and uh, be with us for worship. I, I just want to affirm something in you. I didn't know who you were. Uh, I, I, you know, to me, you were uh, just a, another guy who'd come into Exodus and we were loving you guys and, and hoping to connect deeper. And we have been able to COVID's kind of messed that up. We're not able to hang right. out with, with the men and women at Exodus and having the courage to change. We're not able to do that as much as we used to. We can't wait to get back to that. But even then I didn't know your, your history. I didn't know this, the, you know, the, you were a 99.6 percenter, you know, I didn't know. Right. I, I knew none of that. I didn't know about your fall into these things and where you'd come from. Um, I would venture to say a lot of the other guys in the program really didn't know that either, but you still were a guy of influence. Mm. You could still recognize that you were a leader among men. Mm. You were a guy that people, other guys looked to and other guys listened to and, and, you know, you, you could sit at a table and, and, and start a conversation with anybody. And, and I think when you talk about kingdom calling and giftedness and those kind of things, um, I think it's going to be amazing to see how God continues to just refine you in those giftings and, and refine you in that leadership and use not only the book, but every opportunity that's going to come to influence the lives of people, because you've clearly been given up through all the highs and lows. You've been given that position from God. And he's, you know, I, I think often about how many times he had to look at David and say, you know, come right. on, let's do what we do it again. And yeah. you make reference to this in your book, how often God just brings us back and, 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 I, I, I agree. I think your best days are ahead. Um, your God's going to continue to do incredible things for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I am, uh, I'm very thankful that he gave me the gifts that he did. Uh, I tell you, my mouth used to run nonstop and most of what I was saying didn't mean much, you know, and now, you know, I know, and, and let me tell you what, man, when, when, when myself and, and my siblings get together, we're all trying to talk over I each bet. other. Yeah. So, so yeah, we are man. like the, we are always the loudest table in the restaurant. Guaranteed. <laughs> uh, and, um, but, but I've gotten to a point now guys where, and I talk about that still small voice in the book. I talk about listening to the Holy Spirit. I had a, a Christian counselor tell me once, Tony, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not scream wow. over the chaos in your life. Wow. And these days I've gotten to the point where I can be quiet and be very comfortable in it. Uh, mm. I can, I can be at peace and not, yeah. you know, I, I used to get a thrill and adrenaline rush from the chaos and I, that's not me anymore. Um, and, but here's what I know, Dave. I know that God's going to give me a microphone hmm. that, periodically tonight. Let's say yeah. he may not give me another one for two or three months, but there's going to be the next time that he does. And wh whether it's and whether it's a literal microphone or, or a figurative microphone, there are times when he's going to want me to open my mouth and let the Holy spirit pour forth. Yeah. Uh, and those are the times that I stand ready to just unleash all, you know, all the gifting that he gave me uh, because um, anything that I'm passionate about, and I'm passionate about two things. I'm passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm passionate about my two children. Right. And that's it. That's yeah. it. The, the, the rest, I don't, I don't have anything else going on in my life but those two. And that, that's the way I plan to keep it. Wow. Okay, here's the hard part. Um, 
you have in the past, you've been a kind of a people pleaser, make yourself, make everybody think you got it all together. How do you, now that you, you, it seems like with the book, with opportunities, um, we were joking about you getting a, a, a good microphone to do podcasts because you're going to have to do yeah. this. What's going to keep you from going back to that place? What's going to keep wow. you from going back to that performance mentality? You know, when, when my sister, well, first off, and no, let me say what I want to say first. When my sister read the manuscript a couple of years ago, she said, Tony, get your legs under you. Mm. Don't publish it right off the bat. She said, two things are going to happen when you publish. First off, you're going to get a lot of praise. How is your ego going to handle that? Yep. Yeah. Mostly that's, for what that's you That's what I'm said. talking about. Yeah. And the second thing is you're going to get absolutely attacked because yep. it's a hard gospel message. Yeah. And how is your psyche going to handle that? Uh, and the, the biggest thing I walk through my days today, I'm surrounded by accountability partners. I've got five or six mm. men mm. who are really tight accountability partners with me. And I check with them daily on my own ego. I check with them daily on whether I'm moving in the spirit or moving in the oh, flesh. Tremendous. Uh, I've, I've got, I've got accountability partners on alcohol. I've got accountability partners on lust. Um, I've got accountability partners just on my, my faith walk. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a group of guys. There's three of them here in Arkansas. One that I've known for 36 years. The other two are new friends to me, but they're my accountability partners. And, and if, if I start getting, I ask I ask a lot of, people that know me and see me, I ask them, do you hear the Holy Spirit talking or do you hear Tony talking? Is my mm. flesh in this? And so I do a lot of checkpoints like that because yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want it to be about me. I, I absolutely want, I tell you what, if nobody ever saw my face, if nobody ever heard my name, but I could get behind a microphone and, and hollow the gospel out to crowds of people, I would do it. Wow. It, 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 but I had to get to that point, right? You know, it, so many years watching my sister, you know, walk around and and be so well known. You know, mm -hmm. there were a lot of years there where my ego was like, I can do that, I can do that, I can do right. that. I just, I just want to, I want to get the um, the scriptures that are in the book, the power of the testimony in my story. I just want to get it out so it can help people. You've you made Good. a few references already to your sister, and you don't make you don't keep a secret of this. Um, but you also don't ride her coattails on this. That Beth Moore, very prominent, very right. popular Christian author and speaker and teacher, is your older sister, and right. and uh, um, she has really kind of helped you through this whole process as well. She's got to have and these insights that she's given you about popularity when your book comes out and also being attacked. Clearly, that's got to be a benefit to you. It is. It is. It, it's uh, um, when when she first told me that, and I wanted to publish it immediately. <laughs> it, right. it wasn't fun to hear somebody say, "Wait a year." <laughs> but guys, what 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 she knew that I didn't know at the yeah. time. You know it, and, and heck, she's she's been she's been with the Holy Spirit a lot more years than I've been with the Holy Spirit. Yeah like 20 or 25 years longer than I've been with the Holy spirit. So in our justification, Beth and I are at exactly the same place mm -hmm. when it comes to sanctification. She is so far ahead of me. Uh, and, and there's, there's, God doesn't want me to catch up. He just wants me to grow. You know, we're, yeah. I don't know that we'll ever catch up, but, um, yeah, her counsel was totally wise. I didn't realize it fully at the time yeah. I, I submitted to it immediately. 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I told her I will definitely wait, but there was a part of me that, that it was like the wind just got taken out of my spiritual sails, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, but, but I needed, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to publish two years ago. Yeah. Th- these things on, on like codependency, mm. man, man, that I didn't, I've got a, a three or four uh, paragraphs on codependency in the book. Now those weren't there originally. Those mm-hmm. have come since there are a number of things. I tell a story about a group of men in chapter one that, that, um, were in, uh, Panera with me uh, when I shared my story. And at the end, it had really disturbed one man, uh, bad. And he said, Tony, he said, what you don't get is we want what you have in the spirit, but we don't want to have to go through what you did yeah, to wow. get it, wow. you know? So, so, so let me ask you this. You've referenced the Holy Spirit all the way through this conversation. And what I loved about the book and what I love about what you're saying now is you have a very, uh, I think, theologically healthy understanding of the role the Holy Spirit plays in your life. Uh, we had a conversation last week um, uh, with a, another friend of ours who mentioned his understanding of the Holy Spirit is is a recognition that we often, you know, pray for Jesus to come and and for God to come or whatever. But but we have to understand that God is in heaven and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Exactly. And, Je- and Jesus said, it's better that I go so that I can send my Holy Spirit to be with you, to, to reside inside of you. And, I, and that's the spirit that you're referencing here in, in, a, Absolutely. in a, a very theologically rich way, but even just a practical reality of who the Holy Spirit is to you. Uh, you talk about in your book, even reading the book through the spirit or reading the word, reading the word, reading the Bible, the word and the spirit. That's it. Absolutely. And I think that that's, I feel like people miss that sometimes. It's like a a lot of folks will open their Bible and they'll be like, well, I didn't get anything out of that. But if you are recognizing that the spirit is there ready to share something with you, you just have to be ready to hear it. Right. You'll never, like you said, you could get a fresh word from, from, from God through the spirit every day on a verse that you've read a million times. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, and so speak a little bit just to the role okay, that you I, believe I, the Holy spirit plays. Oh, uh, one of my favorite books in the world is Francis Chan's forgotten God. It's oh, yeah. so good. Uh, yeah. I love it. I'll, it's seven chapters. It is an easy read and it's, it's the second time today that I've got the chill bumps all over me just thinking about it. But uh, I, I, I had a good friend that she used to tell me, you know, and if you, if you would have brought up visitation of the Holy Spirit to me, like in my long past, I would have mm-hmm. been like, what? Right. But now, you know, now I'm totally on board with it. But she say, hey, Tony, what's what's better than a visitation of the Holy Spirit? I go, I don't know what. And she'd say the next one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and I, that is it. And you all know it because you've mm-hmm. experienced it. You know, God, when when Jesus left. When Jesus left and ascended to the right hand of the father up in the throne room where Satan's got access right. and he accuses us day and night uh, and, and, and telling God that we are no good, that we are not his children, that he can't trust us. And, and Jesus is at the right hand advocating on be, our behalf and saying, dad, don't listen to that liar. Right. He, mm-hmm. Tony is yours. You know, um, Dave is yours. Spencer is yours. Uh, and we got the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus went up, two things came to us, the Holy spirit, which started on Pentecost, uh, and, and the word of God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I got to tell you all the first 13 years I was a believer, I was in the word, but not in the spirit. 
Yeah. Wow. The, the spirit was in me, but I was living that double-minded life and I was yeah. insta- unstable in all my ways. And I, I, I was studying scripture for the wrong reasons to spout it out at everybody else, not to learn yeah. how to live, how God wanted to live for me. I wasn't, I wasn't searching for God's extravagant love for me so I could agape love him back. Yeah. And so I spent 13 years in the word, not in the spirit. And then I got enamored with the Holy spirit and dropped the word and spent three years in the yeah. spirit, not in the word, the magic and, 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 and not magic, but freedom and transformation uh, and the miracles have happened when I, I study the word in the spirit together. And, and I let yeah. the Holy spirit be the best Bible teacher I could ever have. You know, pastor Dave, is in addition to my Holy Spirit Bible teacher. Wow. You know, any pastor, Pastor Matt at Landmark, is in addition to, but never again let a human pastor be my number one Bible yeah. teacher. So the Holy good. Spirit, it's wow. me and the Holy yep, Spirit yep. sitting down with the Word and that Word coming alive. That's mm. so good. You know, you you also, when you, in speaking of the Spirit, and you talk about this in the book, the relief, again, again, that word that I love that you used, the relief that you had in recognizing that you don't have to do this stuff on your own, that right. you have a partner who's going to lead you through this, and that is the Holy Spirit that's going to walk you through all of these things that God wants to do in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is, uh, you know, I, I think of the um, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, where it says, you know, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm, yeah. uh, and, and it's the Holy spirit. Yeah. You know, when I think, when I, when I feel the presence of God, it's the Holy spirit, Yeah, you know, and, and some people get mixed up like, you know, well, when is it God, the father and who am I praying to him? I pray to Jesus. Let me tell you, I talked to all three of them Yeah, <laughs> because, because there's different roles, right? Absolutely. I mean, father, father, God is the creator. It was his plan that Jesus came down here to follow, you know, step by step, every single thing. Right. And Father God is Father God. And Jesus was here for a season, and yeah. he is the Word made flesh. And now he's at the right hand, and the Holy Spirit is in us. There are yep. three. And in, in, in corporate America, we did a lot of role sorting. And finally, not, and I'm not saying that I totally understand the, the Godhead three and one. Right. But I've got some clarity to it now that I try to explain in the book. Uh, to where it is the, when, when, when all of a sudden I respond differently than I always have in the past, I know that's the Holy spirit in me doing a modern day miracle. Mm, that's it. Yep. And, and, and then God says, isn't it so much better this way, Tony versus how you always used to respond, wow. you know? And, and I write one of the last things I write in the book, uh, is, is about being in the presence of God. And, and it's, mm. it's, it's, uh, I just, I, I give a list of about 20 times when I know I'm in the presence right. of God right? Uh, in the back of the book. And that, that could be when I go on a walk and all of a sudden, man, just, just prayer hits me, mm. you know, or I just lift my hands and thank God for the gorgeous day that we have, yeah. you know, and, and it's not just when I, when I write out a gratitude list guys, and, and I used to think gratitude lists were hokey you know, big time. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you what, if I, if I need an attitude change in the morning, yep. all I got to do is write out some gratitudes yeah. uh, and uh, get way beyond number five. Because when, <laughs> when I think that, that, that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, yep. Yeah. Yep. but that Jesus came to destroy the devil's work, you know, and, and offer me life and free abundance yeah. to mm-hmm. the overflow, you know, it's uh, I'm thrilled to just be alive. 
you know, and I'll be thrilled. I'll be thrilled <laughs> to be dead when that time comes. You know? <laughs> hey, listen, I want to stress one thing for anybody okay. who's listening to us. Uh, we've talked a lot about your book, Triumph and Surrender. I, I want to really stress that this is not just a book about addiction. Right. And it's not just a book about recovery, that this is a book about uh, the process of growing in our faith by surrendering to God yeah. and uh, how that, how it really, it sounds like a, a contradiction in terms, triumph and surrender, but you really stress how the freedom and the victory in our lives comes from surrendering to God. And there's so much that you don't have to be um, just dealing with addiction to get uh, anything out of this book. This book is a, 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 a discipleship uh, uh, resource to help us grow. I mean, like you said, how many re scripture references are in the book? O over a hundred? Over, fi over 500. Fi over 500. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just it's so significant to see how, um, uh, how applicable it is to anybody. Now I will say this, you have the list of all the things that, you know, if, if you've experienced this, I have too. If you've experienced this, I have to, and all the things that you've done, all the struggles that you've had, I read that one. and thought, yeah, right at the very beginning. And I thought, what a vulnerable way to start. But yeah. I also thought, okay, most of those things I've not done some. Okay, I have. But most of those things I've not struggled with. But I got my own list. And yeah, my absolutely. own list is as long as yours. Yeah. And right. so I'm not. I, I You talk about compassion and how you have found a new place of compassion for people right. because you've gone through these things. Wow. When right. Christians don't have, when Christians are arrogant toward other Christians and they don't have compassion for people who are hurting and broken and messed up. I often want to say, Hey, what's your list? You yeah, know, right. you might not exactly. have this list, but your list is just as long as theirs. And so we need to find that source of compassion. Uh, and how much better would we be at influencing the world for the kingdom if we understood compassion like that and understood that we're all dealing with, with oh. numerous struggles. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I think the fifth chapter is about um, pursuing God's or answering God's call. Yeah. Uh, and I talk about serving the least of these. Mm -hmm. uh, and I talk a ton about compassion in there. Exactly. I talk about having, having a paramedic's heart, Yep. you know, yeah. and, uh, which is a great picture. You know, we're, we're about out of, we, we've gone on about an hour here. Um, I could, I have a list. When we do these interviews, I write out a list of questions and I've not gotten to any of them yet. So we'll have to <laughs> save those for another interview because, and I knew, <laughs> Let's do it. I knew that, you know, we weren't going to need a lot that Tony was going to carry this thing for yeah. us. Um, but I have one question. I have two questions to end okay. this whole thing up with number one, what have you learned about yourself through this whole thing? Um, and you're still on a journey, but what have you learned about yourself? Oh gosh. Um, you, you know, I've learned that, uh, if I'm not emotionally healthy, everything else falls apart. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's a biggie y'all. And, yeah. and, and, and I just, it, because my core belief about myself has to be healthy or I'm going to be unstable. Everything yeah. else at Exodus, we, we learned to, to plan our lives out in seven different core areas of change yeah. uh, and physical health and spiritual health and emotional health and relational health and financial health and, um, and recreational health mm -hmm. uh, and vocational health. Th those are the seven. Emotionally, if I'm not fully stable with my identity in Christ, 
then I'm giving the devil, the devil room to get a foothold. Yeah. Mm. And so my emotional health has to be my top priority. And then my spiritual health and everything else follows. You know, and you, you've got some people to say, okay, is, is sobriety your highest priority or is God your highest priority? Well, well, for me, believing my identity in Christ and living in that is my top priority. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be known as a child of God mm. and to know that I'm loved. It doesn't matter that the rest of the world doesn't love me to know that I'm called. It doesn't matter that the rest of the world may not trust me. You know, God has entrusted me. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, so that that's one. And, and the other thing is I can, I can take a shot now, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I put it, I put it all out there and I, and I did it before anybody else did, you know, so, so get your, get your machine guns out and it's shoot Tony. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, right. There, there's such liberation in that. Uh, and so, uh, I'm just, uh, guys, I'm thrilled with every, with every mm. day I have. Uh, mm. and I'm thrilled because there's, I know there's a lot of people hurting like me. And if I, if I, if I got freedom at age 61, you know, I want people to get freedom a whole mm-hmm. lot earlier than waiting around till 61 to do it. Can I, can I real quick before you ask your next question, just a, a question and add on to that last part. Um, you talk about being completely open, not having anything to hide anymore. And you talk about, you've talked a lot about your kids being, you know, one of your greatest passions in life. Have you seen uh, good support from your kids, from your family, as you've taken this journey of really just exposing everything? I, I have, I have, I've got, um, there's there's parts of our family that are i mean gosh you got when you got my sister beth you know then yeah. then you've got somebody who's been grabbing the cross from day one and then right. you know i've got a brother who's a buddhist uh-huh. uh and and so we we just cover the spectrum from a faith standpoint wow but but everybody is cheering for me from the standpoint of, of being healthy yeah you know, and 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 holistically healthy yeah, that's, that's uh, it's I'm not running any, even though I ran a 10 K, you know, three years ago or something, uh, I'm not running any marathons anytime soon, <laughs> but, but, but everybody, they see a healthy Tony and my children yeah. love it. Uh, and my siblings love it. Mm-hmm. And what's happening with the book, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I got a text from my sister, Beth, a few days ago. And the last thing she said was, I'm really proud of you, you know, awesome. and, um, and heck, she's busy. She's got her own things going on with her ministry and behind the scenes, right? Uh, and family. Uh, but both of my children are supportive. My 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 daughter. Uh, it, it was funny because my daughter. I I didn't know whether they'd want to read the book or not. Really, to tell you the truth. Uh, and even though I mentioned them several times in it, and my daughter's seventeen in Oregon, and she said, "Dad, I'm gonna order one of your books." And I went, "Ah, ah I got one. I'll send it to you." And then when I when I mailed it to her, I called my son. And, um, and I said, Hey man, I, I know that we don't talk about religion and all, but, uh, is there a chance you'd like for me to send you one of, one of my books? And he said, dad, my wife already bought it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, and I love it that his, that his wife, Danielle, Danny bought it. So that's awesome. Anyway, it's, uh, you talk about running, not running a marathon. I ran a half marathon a couple of years ago with my wife, spring oh both of my feet. And I will never do it again. Absolutely. No, no way. Not therapeutic. I, Not therapeutic. I was, an, I was an athlete growing up and, but I've definitely, you know, let myself go a little bit. And I was like, I can run a half marathon. Never again. No. 
It was the worst no. experience of my life. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. With when you're, most people train when your you wife got I know, out right? and went out, ran 12 miles. When so. your wife is carrying you to the car yeah, after right. after a half marathon run, that's not a good idea. OK, my last question. And, and this you could have a myriad of answers here and it could be enormous. But first thing that comes to your mind, what have you learned about God through this whole process? Oh, my gosh, that his love is people have um, have just always talked about his extravagant love. But mm. I'm just I'm I'm blown away that that not only as um, in Psalms early in Psalms, I think Psalm eight talks about how he has a mind for us. Yeah. But then in first John, um, either in first John or in James, he talks about how how great the love the father has lavished on us that he calls us his children. Yeah that he would entrust me. And, and I know Beth feels the same way. And I know y'all do too. Yeah. We have been entrusted to minister oh, yeah. to people who are hurting, to people mm. who are in need, to people who are confused and desperate for clarity. Uh, and, and for me to be able to do that after everything I've done, it just blows my mind yeah. uh, that, that, that I have this opportunity. You know, and Paul talks about finishing strong and man alive yep. for, for the longest time. I felt like Pharaoh, man, he was just sending plague after plague after plague after me, wow. you know, because I didn't believe. And now finally, you know, I get to pick up the the calling and run with it. So it's good. It's um, unbelievable. So where can we find this? Where can people get a hold of this? The book well well you can you can definitely do the biggies uh my website is triumphantsurrender.com okay. uh, but uh amazon has it walmart.com uh, has it barnes and noble has it uh, it will be coming out in ebooks for both the kindle and um apple ipads in the next couple of weeks cool and then if you go to my website there's a couple of independent booksellers one in uh california and um uh, no one in phoenix and then one one in arizona and one in oregon Okay, they're selling it if you want to buy from the independents. But awesome. I'll I'll be sure to link the um the places, your website and the other places okay, that you, you can got it. Yep. get the book in the description of this episode. Hey, um final word. I, I just want you to know one, how much we appreciate you coming on and yes, doing this with you. us tonight. This has been incredible. Yeah. And I've I got texts all day today from people who knew we we're gonna do this. Can't wait for the <laughs> Can't wait for the podcast. When's it come out? Want to hear it? Love Tony. All these people that were just texting, yeah. just from the little bit of publicity we've tried to get. But here, please hear this. We absolutely love you to death. Yeah. And you're Thank an incredible you. guy. And you don't have to do a thing to earn that. Yeah. Um, about it. We just about it absolutely now? love you. And we know God's got incredible things planned for you. Um, uh, he's already done enormous things for you. He's got much more. Yeah. You're going to need to get more websites because I think there are more books that are going to be coming from you. Yeah. And uh, I just just know how much we love you and how much we appreciate this time with you. Oh, man, I love you all. Thank you so much. I'd love to do it again someday. Hey, definitely. We'll definitely yeah. have you on. Great. Okay. Love you Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tony. Okay. Take care, take brother. Care. Thanks. Bye-bye. We'll Bye-bye, Spencer. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, guys. Hey, this has been another episode of the Unmasked Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Tony Green. Please be sure to grab his book. Uh, as mentioned just a second ago, you can find the link on where to purchase that in the description of this episode. Thank you all for listening today. We love you all, and we will talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. -bye.